0: Thank you again for joining us this evening on Good Friday. Uh, this evening we're going to be in Luke 23, where Pastor Peter was just reading from, if you want to follow along in your Bible or your app, um, however it may be. As we, as we move through the narrative that was just read to us, I want us to particularly be looking at the individuals. I want to look at the people, and I want to look at their reactions and how they react, and and in a sense contrast that with who Jesus is, who... Jesus had come to be. There's a lot of people, as we're going to see, who don't see. Um, Something incredible is taking place in front of them. And very few, if anybody, we'll we'll see a couple of people, but very few people see. Very few people understand what it is that's going on. Here's the king before them, the Messiah, the one that they had long awaited for was there, the one that they had celebrated even just a few days earlier triumphantly coming through the streets, and yet as he walks through the streets again, but this time on the way to the place of the skull, on the way to the cross, people don't understand. They don't quite comprehend what it is that is going on. So let's look at some of these people real quick. First off, we have the multitudes and and the crowds of of verse 27 and the women along with them. You have people mourning and lamenting for him. You have the daughters of Jerusalem weeping over him. They don't understand where he's going. They don't understand why. Why? They don't understand why this Jesus, this one that they had been celebrating, this one who they had seen do miracles, who they had heard preach, they didn't understand why he was suddenly going to his death. And then as he, he makes his way, as, as they, they get to that place, we see the rulers. What are the rulers doing way down in verse 35? They're scoffing at him, saying he saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. And there too are the soldiers, and the soldiers are mocking him, offering him sour wine and saying to him, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. Here the rulers are scoffing at him. The soldiers are mocking him. They don't see what is really going on? They can't comprehend the greatness of what is taking place. And of course, we get to that first criminal in verse 39, hanging there beside Jesus. Here is Jesus. I mean, just think of the irony of the situation. Here is Jesus being crucified in between two criminals, one on either side of him. And right there in the middle, Jesus is the innocent one, the innocent one who has, who has never done a thing wrong, who's never committed a crime, who's walked perfectly. And yet here he is, hanging on a cross in between two criminals. And one of these criminals looks over at him and says, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. You see, we have all of these people around Jesus, all of these people watching. You have, have even the people, that they're, they're like just standing there watching in verse 35. as he, he, They don't know what to do with it. It's almost like driving down I-95 and there's an accident. Everybody just slows down and they're watching and they're, they're looking and, and everybody's eyes are on Jesus. They see literally what's going on. They see a man being crucified but they can't really see. They don't really see what's going on. They they don't understand, they can't comprehend that that as this is taking place, that, that Jesus says to his Father, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus recognizes what's going on. He recognizes a people who can't see, a people who cannot comprehend the greatness of that Good Friday. Now, as he's on his way to the cross, and then when he's at the cross, there's two incidents that, that take place, two interactions that he has with individuals that are a mark and a picture of the redemption that Jesus brings. The first is is very, very quick, at the very beginning of our passage in verse 26, where this guy named by the name of Simon Cyrene is he, he's seized and and the cross is laid on him to carry it for Jesus. And and you might wonder what is going on there. And we don't know too much about this guy, but it is interesting that in Mark's account of the gospel, he tells us that Simon of Cyrene is the father of Alexander and Rufus. Now that just and that's really all that we know about him. And for a moment that might seem Bizarre, and why is this important to even be talking about now, but Mark used those names because people knew those names. People knew who Alexander and Rufus were. People knew that their dad was Simon of Cyrene. And it's no doubt because they were very, very early converts to the faith. They came to know Jesus very early on, uh, Sinclair Ferguson, one pastor, he says this. He says, "Their conversion story, meaning Alexander Rufus, Simonus Irene, their conversion story was so well known that Mark did not need to say anything more. In his greatest hour, Jesus began his reign of grace in the home of one family. This is a moment where we begin to see. Jesus bringing redemption even as he's on his way to the cross. And then, of course, whenever he gets to the cross and he's up there, we already spoke about the one criminal. And as as we all know, because we're very familiar with this story, there's a second criminal, isn't there? And you see what the second criminal says. He says, Do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. You see, this second criminal, the one on the other side, he knew that he was on that cross for a reason. He knew that he deserved it. And he knew that the other criminal deserved it. He knew that they were getting exactly what was coming to them. They had committed a crime and they were paying the punishment. But... Then something amazing happens. Something incredible is is that that second thief is hanging on the cross. Something that can only, I think, be explained by the work of Holy Spirit in the heart of that second thief. Of bringing him to new life. Of taking that dead creature and making him a new creature in Christ. As he looks to Jesus and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Something transformed in this second criminal. We we, we talked about how all these people all around, nobody seems to be able to see. Nobody can really understand what's going on. And for some reason, the most unexpected person, the thief on the cross, the one one dying for something that, that he had done, who was paying the penalty, yet he is able to see. He sees who Jesus really is. He sees that he truly is the, the Messiah and he, he begs him, would you just remember me? It's amazing because many of these people who we've been talking about seeing, they'd, they'd seen Jesus do incredible miracles. They'd seen him maybe even raise people from the dead and yet they couldn't see. And here's a criminal on the cross and he sees Jesus for who he really is is that he is the Savior, that he is the Redeemer, and then we have those incredible words that Jesus speaks to him. Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. While everyone seems to be blind to what is going on, and nobody quite understands and can't quite comprehend it, and they they can't put it into its box, if you will, where we can put it into its box and understand the dynamics of what are going on. This criminal understands what's going on, but he's not the only one. Verse 44 is quite amazing. Now, this isn't a person like we've been speaking of, these different people or these different groups, but it was now the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. While the sun's light failed. You see, creation itself speaks out. Creation itself can't help but react to what is going on. Creation itself is testifying to the fact that the innocent one, the innocent one is being slain on the cross. As that second criminal said, He said those incredible words, this man has done nothing wrong. The criminal sees Jesus for who he really is, the perfect Messiah, the innocent one, the innocent one who is now being slain. And while this is taking place, we even see at the end of our passage we, we, we see his acquaintances who are most likely Lucas meaning his disciples and the women also who are following him and everybody's just there they're watching. everybody's just standing back to to see because they, they can't they can't comprehend it. the crowds as They see Jesus speak those last words, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit, and he he breathes his last breath. The crowds just go away beating their chest because they have no box to put this into. They have no way of truly understanding, of truly comprehending the depth of what has taken place that here, the innocent one has been slain. And right before those last, that last breath is taken, he says those faithful words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It's not the death of a criminal, but the death of the innocent one. It is the innocent one who has been slain. We've talked about how very few people can see what's going on. The second criminal seems to be able to have seen what's going on. And we have another very unlikely person who seems to see, who seems to understand what it is that's really going on on that day. And it's a Roman centurion, a Gentile, not somebody who would have been incredibly schooled in the Messiah and the expectations of him And we see something incredible happen. Another work that we can, I think we can only attribute to the work of of Holy Spirit. Do you see what he does in verse 47? Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God. As everybody else is trying to compute everything that they've seen. The centurion worships. He can't help but praise God because for that moment, he seems to get what's going on and he says those words, certainly this man was innocent. Certainly the innocent one has just been slain. He agrees with those words that Peter will say just a few weeks later, as he says, you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. You killed the author of life. You you murdered the righteous one. The innocent one was slain. And I'm reminded of those words from Paul, some of, my, some of the words from Scripture that I remember and love the most. Paul says this, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake, he made him to be, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you understand the depths of what took place? That the innocent one was killed. The innocent one was sacrificed for the guilty ones. The innocent one was slain so that second thief could make his way to paradise and could be forgiven, that the perfect one took the sins of that second criminal on himself. He paid the penalty, he heaped the guilt upon himself so that that second criminal could be called righteous. Do you understand the gravity of that, can you see the gravity of what took place on that Good Friday? You know, Good Friday is a hard day for us to think about because we don't like to necessarily think about the pain and the torture that Jesus had to go through for us. But when we can see it and we can understand it, it becomes so beautiful and it becomes good because the innocent one came down to earth he 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 put on human skin and he he walked on the earth for some 30 some odd years and he walked perfectly and he did so so that he could go to the cross for that criminal So that he could go to the cross for you and for I. So that I, as I I stand here before you this evening, that, that, that I, as guilty as I am, can be called righteous. Because Jesus has taken my sin upon himself. That he... He has been made sin for me so that I can be called the righteousness of God and he's done that for you too. The innocent one was slain so that you and I could be called righteous so that we could have eternal life so that he could say those same words to us that he said To that criminal, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. As I was preparing this message, I couldn't help but think of a song from many, many years ago. And this will seem odd and um, be a little bit of a strange transition in the sermon as we come to a conclusion. But back in my college days, I used to occasionally listen to um, a heavy metal Christian band called Tourniquet. And amongst one of their heavier albums, actually in the middle of it, there's like this soft ballad that is just so beautiful. And, and, and I want to share some of those words with you this evening as we close up our service, because I think there's such helpful words for us tonight to, to process what it means that the innocent one was slain For you and for me. This is how it goes. I close my eyes and I think about Calvary. I see it happening right in front of me. The back that bore the whip. The head that held the crown of thorns. What if I was there? Would I even care? Or would I just stare? What if I was there, just a face in the crowd? Would I hide in shame? Or would I laugh out loud? Would I pity him? Or think that he is just a fool, another criminal? Or... Or just the truth? He is heaven's jewel. As he marched up that hill, I can picture him still in my mind and all the blood and the sweat on his brow. As he passed me on by, I could see in his eyes that pain that was the gift of his love. He was the sacrifice, the lamb. He is the great I am. And he paid the price, the price for you and me, I close my eyes and I think about Calvary. I see it happening right in front of me. Two criminals were there, one on either side of him. One hurled insults and one believed. One hurled insults and one believed. Which one am I? Let's pray. But Father, as we contemplate the incredible sacrifice of that Good Friday, it's hard for us to even comprehend. It's hard for us to Truly understand it is, if we're honest, it's hard for us at times to see as well. To see and to understand what really took place as the innocent one was slain. Oh, would you even this night, would you be working the gospel deeper and deeper into our hearts that we might understand the gravity of, of what took place on the cross. As the one who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Would you help to open our eyes a bit more this night and every day to come as we in our lives, try to mine the depths of the good news of the gospel, as we try to mine the depths of the good news of what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. And might you help to apply those incredible truths to our life and that we might be transformed more and more as we understand what it is that Jesus really did for us, what it is that he really accomplished for us, that we might truly understand who it is that we are, as we are now found in Christ. We just thank you so much. We can't thank you enough. We can't even put into words. Thank you for the gift of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray this in the matchless name, in his matchless name, Jesus. Amen. As we conclude our service this evening, we hear these words as a blessing upon you all as we look forward to gathering together again to celebrate Jesus' victory over the grave on Sunday morning. Hear this blessing. The Lord bless and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace.